with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Rod Cole, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, knowing one's own Van Helsing. With me, all the way from the land of the Red Dragon, is the gold-standard in ghost hunting and the star of Japanese TV and soon American, Steve Parsons. Yo, you don't sound well. Ah, a little bit of vertigo or something. Ah, well. Sit tight. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So it is what it is. Anyways, uh, we just had President's Day yesterday, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we did Imagine a show. Yeah, we're we celebrating your famous president. All our presidents, which is pretty cool. Except the, yeah. except the current one. Oh, including the current one. But uh, in so the morning... Playing, was he playing golf? In the morning show, we did a lot of uh, stuff. We talked about White House ghosts and presidential ghosts and everything, which is, you know, kind of what you have over there, right? You have lots of uh, royalty ghosts, right? Yeah, well, we don't have any presidents. Um, no, I see. It's kind of like what you had over there. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, there, was, there was a brief attempt in the 17th century to do away with the monarchy, um, which resulted in us being the Commonwealth, like Massachusetts, for... A period of years, but we soon put the um, the, the royals back on the throne, mm-hmm. and then they they dug up the guy who was who was responsible, Oliver Cromwell, uh, beheaded him, uh, tried him for treason, okay. and yeah, and then threw, threw his body in the river. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, so that's what happens if you mess with the British royal family. Do you know who the first uh, president of the United States was? A U.S. citizen. Uh, it wasn't Washington because he was British. Um, I don't. Was it the third one? Martin Van Buren. All previous presidents prior to him were born English subjects. British oh. subjects. What, what number was he? I don't recall offhand. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I, I get this. This thing is it's a riot. It talks about all these different facts about U.S. presidents. Like, uh, and this is one of my favorites, of course, was that Grover Cleveland was the only president in history to hold the job as a hangman. <laughs> well, that's a claim to fame, isn't it? Yes, he had once, uh, he had once been the sheriff of Erie County, New York, and twice had to spring the trap in the hanging. I know the most, uh, from the paranormal perspective, uh, the most uh, oft quoted is always, of course, Lincoln. Um, not only his ghost appears, but he also uh, famously foretold his own assassination. In a dream, uh, yes. And, and had a number of uh, ostensibly paranormal experiences himself. He was said by some to be psychic. Really? But he's, the, he's the one who is most associated with uh, the world of the paranormal, the realm of the paranormal. Yeah, you know, that's, the, that's interesting. We always talk about uh, Mary Todd Lincoln and... and uh... 
uh, her seances at the White House. But God, uh, she was an ugly woman. But it wasn't really, really, really Todd. The seances were held at the White House prior to that. Uh, of course, Mary Todd had lost her son Willie in the White House, and um, so she greeted to him. But the first um, pre uh, uh, first lady to hold seances in the White House was actually um, Mrs. Pierce, the uh, uh, Jane Pierce, actually, and uh, she had. This is another intriguing thing, too, is, is that she, uh, after her husband had been elected, uh, they were on a short train ride in Boston, and just, in fact, just outside of North Andover, the, plane, the train went off the track, and her two youngest sons were killed. And that's what spurred her into the, the spiritual. She had the Fox sisters actually come to the White House and do a seance. Which, uh, one of the U.S. presidents, I, I recall reading, um, he, after he died, he was taken across the nation on a train, and the train... That's uh, Lincoln's, yeah, that's Lincoln. Was that Lincoln? I thought it was later. No, it was Lincoln. Oh, it was Lincoln's, was it? Yeah, Lincoln's ghost train, and yeah, it, there's, there's quite a few ghost stories associated with that, and... Uh, uh, it's an intriguing thing because they actually put a mortician on board and they had a lot of flowers to keep the smell down. And, and the other thing is they dug up his son, Willie, in Washington and put him on the train as well. And so he carried up old little Willie along with uh, Abe on the ghost train. I didn't know that. I, I, I always imagined it was a later train than Lincoln's. I don't nope. know. I, I seem to. Um, but I, my only association ever with the, the U.S. presidents was um, I've been on board at the J uh, Air Force One, JFK's Air Force One, mm -hmm. which is in um, the U.S. Air Force Museum in Wright-Patterson. Uh, oh, really? That's pretty cool. And they have, uh, they, it, it's still where it was modified to carry the coffin. Uh, because he, uh, Jackie, uh, didn't want him, uh, John F., to carry it to go into the hold of the aircraft. So they modified the back of the, the normal deck mm -hmm. uh, to carry the coffin. And uh, it, it apparently, um, I did ask, and apparently noises have been heard and people claim it is haunted by the spirit of JFK. It was also, of course, the, the place where, most, I mean, it was used by later presidents so up until and including, I think, uh, uh, Reagan, I think, used up to that Air Force, but, or was it Carter? Mm -hmm. Anyway. Um, Outdated by then. Well, it was, uh, but they're changing it again now. Um, they uh, they said that what, it was also the place of a presidential inauguration, because um, right when Kennedy was killed, LBJ yeah. was sworn in aboard That's the plane. Right, aboard the plane. Famous, famous photograph here in the U.S. Yeah. So they said it was um, you know not only a pl uh, you know, the, the Air Force One, but it was also the only place apart from the White House where a president had been inaugurated. <laughs> So there we are. That was that's my only association and links with the U.S. presidency. That and the fact I've got a make America great baseball cap somewhere. Do you have one of those? I have several. I'm going to be bringing you some um, after after the U.S. elections uh, a couple of years ago. All of the leftover surplus Trump stock. This included foam bricks to build a wall, make America great, make America great hats. 
were all bought by a British, uh, by the British equivalent of Dollar Store, Dollar Tree, uh, and were sold over here as um, fancy dress items. And it's, so, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. I mean, I hear, and I don't know how true it is, but I hear that, uh, you know, when we have our big sports events like the Super Bowls, uh, uh, whatever they they have uh, shirts and, and hats made up for each team, and of course only one gets to really wear them. So I, I believe they donate the other ones to Africa or something. I don't know. I've heard. I don't know how true it was. Yeah, the uh, when they were all left over, of course, you know, they, they're just left over. So at a British, it's Poundland over here in the UK. Um, they bought the entire stock and put them on as fancy dress. Um, oh, there you go. So. Uh, Knowing, knowing that you, you know your deep respect for um, memorabilia, I I bought a job lot of it <laughs> to bring back with me, yeah, crazy. For, <laughs> including a Trump rosette badge pin. Do you know that? Uh, and, and I'm really fascinated with uh, what the former presidents used to do because our presidents basically they don't never work for a living, uh, but uh, you know Lincoln was a licensed bartender. Was he? Yeah. And, and Herbert Hoover, he was an orphan, as most people don't know, but uh, he, he was an orphan. His first job was uh, picking bugs off potato plants, for which he was paid, <laughs> paid a, a dollar per 100 bugs. Well, I know that your first president, Washington, and was actually was a... a worker as well. Was yeah, that? well, Washington was uh, an officer in the British Army. This is true. Yeah. Um, I, was just re- I was just going through... Um, some of the because obviously trying to play catch up, um, I didn't realize I was I was saying has has the ghost of of uh, Washington ever been seen? Yeah, and many times. and appa- and yeah, and apparently time, yes, time, but times honestly, um, but by a prominent Massachusetts politician, uh, Josiah Quincy the third, mm-hmm. uh, claimed to have seen the U.S. the previous U.S. president, and yeah, of course I, I, he's one of yours from Massachusetts. Well, it, he gave Washington's ghost uh, gave um, a warning um, that says uh, I'm just trying to read it. He actually doesn't really give much description. Um, the chamber in which Washington died for dramatic effect. Quincy explained that Judge Washington's readery mentioned the rumor that an interview with Washington had been granted for some of the bed, you know, but no idea. It's one of those written articles. I'm trying to catch up, and I can't read it because it's way too long to read there on go. there. Yeah. And speaking about your people, uh, British Prime Minister uh, Winston Churchill, who was visiting the White House That's uh, right. more, than, more than once during World War II, he also told a story of how he emerged naked from the evening bath, smoking his customary cigar, only to find Lincoln's gold sitting by the fireplace in his room. That's right. And, of course, he famously haunts the uh, Queen Mary. Now, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, that's, yeah have you He's supposed to haunt the, the Queen Mary in his is he, suite. Is he naked? I, I don't know. Uh, but people claim to have seen his ghost. But the problem is, um, I, well, the, most, the, the suite that's, a co- that's uh, <laughs> when most haunted came to the U.S. and investigated the Queen Mary, um, I, I believe our mutual friend Richard Felix spent a night in Churchill's room. Oh, really? uh, in, in his cabin on, on board the Queen Mary 
but as was revealed later, he was actually in the wrong cabin. Um, so, Richard. yeah. So, uh, yeah, but because um, Churchill was was famously half American, his mother was an American. Uh, as indeed the current U.S. president is. I believe uh, a bunch of them were related to Churchill if we go through it or something. I think there's yeah. a whole line of it. Well, I mean, your current president's half British because his mum comes from Scotland. Mm-hmm. Originally born on a Scottish island. But there's there's a great deal of American presidents who claim lineage from the UK or and or Ireland. Washington, of course, is... Um, you know, there is a town uh, up in the northeast of England called Washington, um, where where there is a manor house, stately home that was a fam- former family residence. And just over the water from me in Ireland is the Kennedy Arboretum, um, which is located on or near the site of the Kennedy family, um, who hail from Ireland. And bizarrely, of course, uh, Obama also, when he visited Ireland a few years ago, when he was president of the U.S., much to the astonishment of the Irish, um, claimed that he too had Irish uh, ancestry. Oh, I'm sure he claimed everything. Uh, which came as a huge surprise to my Irish friends <laughs> and the rest of the Irish population. Right. Uh, when Obama trying claims... to get, trying to get a fireworks away from his Kenya heritage as well. <laughs> Just saying. But anyway, so, so there we are. And Gerald Ford, uh, he worked as a model during college. He also Which, worked as he also worked as a forest ranger at Yellowstone National Park, directing traffic and feeding the bears. What Yogi? Must have been. That would be uh, Gerald Ford. One one U.S. president, um, you might know which one, also reported a flying saucer or UFO encounter, didn't they? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really look into it. I'm almost certain that one of the U.S. presidents um, reported a UFO. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe there is. I believe that's the case. Has it been Car- I think it was Carter. Oh, that makes sense. But I'm Googling it as we speak because I- Jimmy Carter, the UFO incident. That's right. I always remember this one. Uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, when he was... U.S. president between 77 and 81, I am actually reading this, um, mm-hmm. reported a UFO whilst in uh, the town of Leary, Georgia, in 1969, sure, whilst of, while he was the governor of Georgia. He filed a report. The citing report says that one evening in 1969, two years before he became the governor of Georgia, he was preparing to give a speech at about 7.15 p.m. One of the guests called his attention to a strange object that was visible Above the horizon to the west where he was standing, he described it as being bright white and about as white bright as the moon. It was said to have appeared to have closed in on where he was standing, but stopped beyond the stand of pine trees at some distance. It then changed colour to blue to red and back to white before appearing to move away uh, into the distance. Um, And he said in 1973 about the incident, there were about 20 of us standing outside a little restaurant uh, when a kind of green light appeared in the western sky right after sundown, it got brighter and brighter before eventually disappearing. It was a peculiar... So, um, there we are. One of my favorite stories, of course, was when James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, uh, they went for a carriage ride in the countryside uh, of Vermont on a Sunday, and they were arrested. 
or violating the state's law. So Adams and his buddy James Madison and Thomas Jefferson, his bud, his mate, got arrested for taking a carriage ride on a Sunday. So sad. Anyways, <laughs> we have we have question. a brand, brand new teller of curious tales. Yeah, but we also have a question. Yeah, I was going to take that afterwards because then we could go that way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a brand new teller of Curious Tales. So, uh, Roy, if we have that queued up, we'll play that right now. Tonight, I, the teller of Curious Tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories. True stories, stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. Have you ever eaten a Mike apple? It's a pale yellow apple with an excellent flavour. But somewhere in the pulp of every Mike apple, you will find a small red speck, exactly like the tinge of fresh blood. There's a strange story behind this fruit, and this is it. It's named after a farmer, Micah Rood, who lived outside of Norwich, Connecticut, early in the 18th century. Micah was known as a hard-working, industrious young man. Suddenly, his habits changed. He grew idle, quarrelsome, intemperate. No longer was his farm the showplace of the community. He neglected his cattle. He shunned his neighbours. Some thought he was bewitched. Others spoke of insanity. All this took place during the winter of 1727. The following spring, when the orchard burst into bloom, a strange phenomena took place. All of Rood's apple trees were covered with pink and white blossoms as usual, all except one, and its flowers were blood red. And the marvel didn't end there. The tree that bore the red blossoms was the only one in the orchard that wasn't covered with ruddy, red-cheeked apples. Its fruit was waxen yellow. When the apples from this tree fell to the ground, each apple, without exception, was found to have within a well-defined bright red globule, called by those who saw it a drop of blood. This strange occurrence soon had the whole community buzzing with gossip, and suspicion was brought to a head when someone remembered that a peddler had passed through Norwich about a year before. He had spent the night at Micaroods, and no one had seen him since. Someone suggested that perhaps the young farmer had murdered him for his money, and then buried the body under the apple tree. The talk grew, until one afternoon a mob gathered, and armed with picks and shovels, swarmed out to Rood's farm. Micah met them at the entrance to his property, and refused them admittance, but he was soon subdued, and the digging commenced. 
the men dug for almost an hour, and then the first grisly discovery was made. A foot, still encased in a rotting shoe, came into view. Then an arm, the torso, and the head. Soon a whole human skeleton lay stretched on the ground, grinning up at the horrified farmers. Mikarud's crime had been discovered. They set out for Mika's house to drag him back to the village and to justice. They found a raving, tearing maniac. Mika was hopelessly insane. His mind had given way under the pressure of his conscience. He died within a few months. The fruit from this odd tree was known for many years as the Mika apple, until time shortened it to what it is today, the Mike app. The gong strikes. My time is up. The teller of curious tales has closed his book. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. Until then... Till then. Feeling well. What happened? Tape ran out. Tape ran out. (laughs) 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 Well, that was intriguing. What else did go well? (laughs) Well, that was a nice New England one. That was a good one, actually. I uh, enjoyed that. That did have a nice little thing, and I never knew that about those wonderful apples. Nor do I want to. Well, you do now. Unfortunately, I can't get it out of my mind. So anyways, before the break, you were saying that we do have a uh, question in the chat room. We do. Um, The question comes from John, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. Let me just check. And it says, hey, Steve, is Buckingham Palace, uh, sorry, are there any ghosts in Buckingham Palace or the Tower of London? Well, my my answer in the chat room was yes, lots, but I thought I'd better back that up. Um, with the following, um, for example, I mean, there are lots. Um, the rear terrace, for example, of Buckingham Palace uh, is supposedly um, the place where a monk draped in a brown cowl haunts at night um, because apparently a monastery once stood where uh, Buckingham Palace is located. And the monk supposedly died in his cell and from time to time frequents the rear, ter- the rear terrace. Another ghost that's been sighted at the palace is that of um, the private secretary of King Edward VII, uh, Major John Gwynne. As the story goes, this ghost, the major divorced his wife, um, which was frowned upon uh, by the uh, elite, elite of the day, um, and he was not uh, able to deal with the... Uh, ostracizing that he experienced and so it's an act of desperation he shot himself in the head in his first floor office and it is there apparently that he's been sighted and it's not just Buckingham Palace either uh, Windsor Castle there are numerous ghosts and books and there's books uh, uh, ghosts and there's, you know, there's numerous books about them uh, Wait a before you do that uh, Buckingham Palace have you ever investigated it uh, no no anyone ever investigate it uh, no, it's not a place that you would um, that you would get access to, except there's a tourist in high summer when they open it to the public for a few weeks each year. 
um, and only a very, very limited amount of the palace is opened. Of course, the most famous haunted palace, of course, is Hampton Court Palace, of course. which was the um, the home of um, King Henry VIII, and is has the haunted gallery where Queen Catherine Howard is, or the ghost of Queen Catherine Howard is said to run screaming along the haunted gallery towards the chapel, uh, crying out for um, Henry VIII to reprieve her. Um, now, have you investigated Hampton Court? No. Again, um, these are royal palaces. These are fully working. I, I thought that, I thought that uh, Karen O'Keefe did an investigation. Uh, Kieran, Kieran did a. Uh, it was more of an academic study uh, uh-huh. at Hampton Court. Um, there have been um, there have been investigations. There was a televised investigation about fifteen years ago now at. Uh, the Tower of London, mm-hmm. um, which was done for a television program, but there's been no other since, and it, it's basically down essentially to cost. Right. Uh, the most haunted built, you know, the most haunted of all of the royal palaces is obviously the Tower of London, which John also asked about. And you know, we we have, I don't believe that there is um, a tower or or building inside the. Uh, Tower of London complex that doesn't have a ghost. You know, some of them are, I mean, some of them have military uh, attestations as well. The grizzly bear that, suppose, that supposedly caused a stir, uh, that by appearing to one of the Tower guards so badly that, he'll, that he, he dropped, uh, dropped down in a dead faint with shock after seeing it. Um, Anne Boleyn, the, uh, the second wife of King Henry VIII, um, who was beheaded for um, treason. Uh, she supposedly walks around carrying her head, uh, along with uh, Henry's later queen, um, and also Lady Jane Grey, uh, or Queen Jane Grey, um, because she was queen for nine days. Nine James I's cousin. They're all there. You know, it is ghost central for the UK, but it's also history central for the UK. The two princes are supposedly seen there. Uh, the ghost of uh, Sir Walter Raleigh. Um, but again, these are places that you would not get to investigate, mm-hmm. uh, or at least not without a huge, huge budget. budget. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so coming up to the break, and so we're going to have to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have... Uh, Cody Ray uh, Desbian uh, from the Home Taps team and uh, Rise Up Paranormal. He's going to discuss his work on EVPs. Uh, but before we go, there's one of the ghosts at the lighthouse that is your, your people, uh, Steve. Uh, it's an unnamed British soldier who is seen running across the grounds holding the torch from the War of 1812 and their ill-fated attempt to burn the White House down wasn't ill-fated it wasn't it wasn't even white until after we did that to it yeah 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 and and fame britain did actually formally apologize for that act about time uh because it wasn't intended to burn it down right yeah that's what they all say anyways it's the tune so we have to take a break you're listening to ghost chronicles international steve pass and ron Kolak right here on tojanet radio and parax radio and wherever else fine radio shows are played. When we come back, we'll have Cody Ray Des- Desbian from the Home Tap uh, team to uh, talk about EVPs. We'll be right back.
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Ghost Chronicles, the International Edition, um, with your host, New England's very own Van Helsing, Ron Kolek, and me, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. And joining us for part two, from the TAPS home team, Cody Ray Despian, and we're going to be talking about electronic voice phenomena, which I think um, we, we may need to explain. I don't think we do, but I think we ought to. Uh, so, Cody, uh, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Um, for those, I, I guess there might be half a percent of listeners who may never have heard of electronic voice phenomena. Could you just enlighten us and then, please? Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, an EVP, as we as we know it today, is a voice recorded on some sort of audio recorder that wasn't heard or said by the human presence at the time of the recording. Uh, so pretty much, yeah, if you go to any investigator today, that's uh, the definition in a roundabout way that they're, uh, that they're living by. Thanks. One of the things that I see a lot when people talk about electronic voice phenomena is um, classifications, class A, class B. Um, do you use a similar system over in, over in the States or... Uh, yeah, so, so most 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 groups do use that classification, um, and you know I do a cert- to a certain point, but unfortunately, um, you know j- j- just to be frank, um, a true EVP that I find interesting is, is rare to catch. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the investigators and groups today, the suggested EVPs that they're putting forward, uh, see what happens is they they do an investigation. 
they record a sound that is interesting to them, uh, you know, whether it's a voice or a mechanical noise that sounds like a voice, and uh, right away they call it an EVP. And then they put it out to the rest of us, and we're told to believe that this is the voice of a spirit. And, um, you know, just, just like a simple cursory analysis, I, I, like I think a lot of groups are not diving in uh, further than that basic definition that I just talked about. Um, uh-huh. it, it's unfortunate to see because if, if we want to take this seriously, uh, analyzation is key after, after you do a session. It just doesn't stop after uh, the actual session itself. Right. What, can, I, can I ask a little bit about the equipment? Because obviously that plays a role, I guess, in how the electronic phenomenon was recorded. I mean, I've heard different, uh, different groups use different methods. Uh, some prefer analog, some digital. Some say that you have to inject noise into uh, the recording. White noise um, there. Yeah, white noise. Or, or have a dirty recording, you know, a low-quality digital um, sample. And others <laughs> advocate high quality. I mean, what's your take on it? Uh, well, yeah, you're right. Everybody does things differently, and um, if they think that they're getting results from that, that's great. But I, I personally want I want the best, cleanest audio that I can get. Um, I want uh, uncompressed files, so WAV formats, not MP3s. I don't I don't want any data loss. I, you know, it's big files, but uh, but that's what I need. Uh, at least to to suit what I feel, uh, I'll get the best results out of. Um, but what, what I, the way I, I think an EVP is, so I think, I, I'm led to believe that an EVP is um, an example of direct communication through electromagnetic uh, waves uh, that are within the same frequency range as the human voice, but uh, obviously not heard by the human ear because, um, you know, if, if you look at the basics, so... What we know an EVP is not, from my understanding, you know, physics suggests that an EVP is not an acoustic sound. Uh, otherwise, we would hear it with our own ears. Now, there's also been um, experiments done where an EVP has supposedly been recorded inside of a bell jar. Now, if that's true, that would also support the, the claim that an EVP is not an acoustic sound because you don't have that material medium that's essential for an acoustic sound to travel. So, um, I mean, it'd be more evident if you could have it in a vacuum. Right, exactly, exactly. So I would love to try that myself, but unfortunately a, uh, a bell jar is a little outside of my uh, budget right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, what's interesting is that these EVPs, and, you know, I talked to Ron about this before too, these uh, examples of EVP have been recording on multiple different recording formats over the mm-hmm. decades, from cassette reel-to-reel, and now digital. And what's really perplexing to me is that this phenomenon can affect analog and digital, which is two totally different recording processes. Mm-hmm. No, nothing, not even close to each other, as you know. So um, I think that the, the thing that really hasn't changed, if you look at it over the years, is the microphones themselves. So I think that that's the thing that's being affected. So you know, you have two basic types of microphones, condenser and dynamic. I think it's the microphone that's being affected rather than the device itself. 
but today I still use, you know, cassette recorders and digital. I'm kind of doing, you know, my, my little own experiments and case studies um, to see, you know, if there really is that debate where analog is better than digital or a condenser microphone is better than a dynamic microphone. So um, I still use both, and uh, I get results with both. So do you find what does Parascience uh, use? Uh, they use both, or uh, we use both. We use uh, we use reel-to-reel cassette and uh, Zoom H6 is current. Sure, Zoom Zooms are great. I use Zooms and I use Tascams right now, as yeah. far as digital goes. Um, you know, I, I just you know there's you know that Panasonic DR60 that everybody's using right now, and <laughs> and uh, I, I just I just it's it's too bad it's too bad that uh, that people just don't I mean they were recalled by the company I mean, sure. you, you can't even do the research to to look into that so it's an um, AG, it's well they, they, wait a minute wait a minute they will tell you when they were recalled because there were voices on it that shouldn't have been there which yeah, is why it's right. such an excellent thing so uh, they explain sure. why it was recalled because voices were there because the auto gain circuit was faulty and was allowing absolutely to interference through onto the onto the recordings absolutely absolutely and even even if you just dove into a little analysis and you know um, like I have software that looks for, you know, the phonetics and in, in words and in that nature. And, um, you know, I've, I've put some of these clips that have been recorded on this recorder, you know, kind of through the test. And um, there's just no voice characteristics there. It's just, you know, you know, and like and then, you know, the investigator puts what they believe it's there, you know, in text under uh, under the video or they name the file what they think it is. And then, you know, we're. we're I love that. You know, our brain's already thinking, and supposedly that's Perfect. what we're supposed to hear as well. So it's unfortunate. Um, Perfect. Guaranteed an EVP every time. Guaranteed. 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 You will, <laughs> you will hear it. The thing, the thing I noticed, I, in fact, only today I was looking uh, at a paranormal group in the UK at their EVP uh, stuff that they were putting on social media. And they were claiming, in fact, what they said was, does anybody have any software um, recommendations wanted for software that could help us analyze our EVPs? All our EVPs are class A, but we can't, well, underst- yeah. but we can't understand the, the voices or what they're saying, and, and they're, they're really hard to hear. Huh? Now, now, exactly, uh, somebody that obviously doesn't know the rowdy <laughs> the classification very well. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. Um, because a class A, of course, is perfectly understandable and and um, uh, you know, in, in every way. Uh, I, mean, I don't think they're even getting class D. Seriously, <laughs> no, I know, right? Now that was today on social on British social media. Oh God um, bless us! Wow. <laughs> but you know, wow. I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the type I, of person that either hears it or you don't hear it. And um, the ones that I mean, if you don't hear it, then um, and if it passes, you know, through all, of, you know, the the software that I that I put it through to, you know, analyze spectrographs and stuff like that, um, it's either there or it's not. You know what I mean? And um, if if it if it sounds like a noise, I'm not even gonna look into it a little further than that because it's not worth it. You know, I, I want something that that has some structure to it. Um, and it, you know, just the simple things that that a lot of investigators are avoiding. Like, I always use more than one recorder. You have to. And usually I, I like to triangulate them to see, you know, if, if there is some sort of voice recorded, um, you know, 
if it's louder on one recorder, you know, you can do some mapping and, and, mm-hmm. and see where in the room it was mm-hmm. located. But simple things like just syncing up the recorders um, with the date and time. I mean, a lot of people, their recorder dies. They put new batteries in it, and they push all the buttons really quick so they can start recording. And it says, like, 2010. So it's just, like, little things like that. So if you want to, if you want to take it seriously, just, just little stuff like that helps out a ton in the end, in the long run. Um, well, it certainly adds it, to the credibility of the, the information that you're collecting. Because, you know, if you can't sure. provide a competent date and time for your, your supposed evidence, then it has no validity. You know, the amount no. of photographs I see that the date of January the 1st, 2001 or 2010, <laughs> you know, presented from last night's paranormal investigation on likewise recording. Must have know. been a time slip, that's all. Perhaps it were time slips. But yeah. as you say... Um, sure. Sound triangulation is now a relatively easy thing to do with modern computer software. Um, oh, yeah. You know, you can you can you can time the files very accurately indeed. And if you know where you've placed the recorder, then you can you can make a judgment call on where the sound emanated from. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So these are how you, how you can uh, increase the value of the information that you're gathering, right. um, and, and that makes it more challenging to the skeptics, which is no bad thing. I know that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. I know that uh, Butler from the AEVP. They used to always uh, videotape their sessions, and if they cut the same sounds on the the, the videotape, then they would uh, uh, discount them totally as an EVP. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I absolutely. I, I agree with videotaping when you're doing a session, uh, just to you know document where everybody is. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you do have, uh, especially when you're working with other people, you do have people that you know are just out for the thrill. And you know, there is a lot of clips that I've listened to that you know they're they're fake. They're they're there's somebody whispering. And um, <laughs> like I don't know if they they think they can try pulling one over, but the software it tells you. I have a voice analysis software, so. Um, so it recognizes this. If, if we, all three of us are in a room together doing a, a, an EVP session, I can give samples of each of our voices, and mm-hmm. it, it recognizes those phonetics and, and voice characteristics with each of us, and it can, it can tell us if it's one of us whispering um, or if it's another investigator on a different floor. Um, like, like you were saying, the more steps that you take, uh, the more you narrow it down as being credible. Um, so I want yeah, to take we, as many steps I think, as I, I think can. We use the, I think we use very similar software code, and it, it proved its advantage one night uh, because it's. You talk about people who are d- whispering or deliberately, you know, interfering with the recording, um, putting voices on. But sometimes it can be inadvertence, as I discovered one night, um, because I was actually in the room when it took place. Uh, that there was uh, it was a simple, a relatively simple. It was a Zoom H1 recorder that was being used at the time, um, uh-huh. and the p- a question was asked: If there's anybody here, do you want to speak? Do you want to introduce yourself? The person said their name, um, and then they they paused, and there was a there was a, a short gap, and then a distinct and very clear response, a single word that set that quite clearly said yes. Um, so we'd, we had the voice analysis software and we got the people sure. present in the room to uh, say the words, say a certain, you know, you know how you have to train these, these software by right. reading yeah. the script. Uh, yep. it, it, it said that it was the person who asked the question. Um, so we looked very closely at some video footage from a camera that was running, 
and the person was not not aware consciously of moving the lips mm -hmm. uh, but their brain had sort of answered the question you know they, they sort of wanted a response and they mouthed the word yes without consciously saying it mm -hmm. you know, so it wasn't willful but it, it right. was definitely yeah. them and this is where Absolutely. you can you know as you say you can use technology to your advantage um yep. and and dismiss things that you know are paranormal or indeed add to the credibility of those very few occasions when something does genuinely um throw a spanner in the works yeah absolutely and, and a lot of times um you know investigators aren't reviewing audio right away i mean i i sometimes review audio a week later uh because it just gets piled up sometimes if we have a lot of cases oh, yeah. um but but just having a simple notebook and pen to take notes mm. and and to and to write down if you hear certain noises and there, there's going to be noises that you're going to forget. Um, so having uh, you know more recorders and making note of everything that you hear at the time, um, you know it, it helps out a lot. It really does. It, does. it helps it out a lot. Absolutely does. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, one, one thing that Jim and all, which Jim Stoney, our, our EVP, always told us that he always runs two cameras and it, it records at the same time. And then, no matter what it is, everyone's in that room is trained to, to say, if your stomach growls, you just say it, even if you might be the only one to hear it, it's a stomach yep. growl. So, and, and that's yep. got to re, be recorded somewhere. If you can't write it on a piece of paper, then it, at least audibly record it. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I do the same thing. We do the same thing. Uh, you need to. You need to because it, it's hard to uh, it's it's hard to prove you know an interesting EVP to have a lot of backing to it. Um, so yeah, the the more the more variables you can cancel out um, works to your advantage in the end. One of the things we uh, all of all the the members of our team uh, include in the investigation kits now came as it came as a, a direct result of. Um, an anomalous sound recording, although it wasn't an EVP. Um, and each of them now carries a simple bath sponge, uh, you know, a, a, a bath sponge, you know, a, oh, a, a bath a, sponge, a wash sponge. <laughs> yes, yes, okay. Uh, in in, in the English, it comes out much better. I'm sorry. Um, I'll, I'll try to do better. Yeah, thank you. I was trying to think: is there is there an American translation to bath? Yeah, bath sponge. sponge. <laughs> and the reason the reason for that is at the end of an investigation we were reviewing some of the audio uh, clips that we had and um the person reviewing it uh, said that they'd heard what sounded like quite heavy footsteps running down a flight of stairs a wooden flight of stairs um so we we, we listened back to this and you know indeed it did sound like rapidly moving footsteps uh, coming down this this flight of stairs. The recorder was positioned at the three or four steps up from the bottom on this hardwood flight of steps. Um, right. Now, the next thing we did, obviously, was to look at a video camera. Uh, we had video cameras at top and bottom of the stairs. And what we saw, and you talk about your notebooks before, what we saw was the investigator at the top of the stairs uh, one of the pair at the top of the stairs dropped uh, a pencil. The pencil then bounced the entire length of the stairs, coming to rest at the bottom. <laughs> wow. They they thought nothing of it um, because they thought it was such an obvious thing. The investigator at the bottom glanced up to see what had happened because they could hear this sort of light noise of a pencil coming down the stairs. But the recorder sitting um, just lay, rested on the 
the bare wood, picked up the sound through the case of the recorder. Um, and wow. case you have this case amplification effect with recorders. Sure. There was no isolation from the environment, so the, the little built-in microphone in the recorder amplified the sound into this sort of heavy, uh, well, the, the much heavier sound than it was, yeah, almost like footsteps. Um, wow. So what, so what we did the following week is we went to the local supermarket and we bought a big bag of bath sponges and we gave everybody on the team... We gave everybody in the team one because, you know, if you are making a recording, um, you might not have an isolating um, stand for the microphone to re remove all the environmental vibrations. Yeah. But now, at least, you know, if nothing else, stick it on a bath sponge and um, it, it does it does help. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great idea. Yeah. A lot of there's a lot of even even mechanical noises that that, you know, the recorder, when mm. listening back, it, it makes it sound like it has voice characteristics and whatnot. Um, so yeah, having having you know shock mounts and and video cameras to to watch the environment, um, you know, it really it really does it helps out. The, a lot. the amount of uh, investigators I see walking around holding the recorder um, <laughs> and asking out their EVPs and then claiming that they're hearing footsteps and bangs and knocks and taps in response. Uh, and yeah. you can see you can see immediately the cause of the problem um, because sure. you know, they, they're holding the damn recorder. Oh, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a problem even with EMF meters. A lot of people uh, yeah. aren't even familiar with EMF meters and where the sensors are on them. And, and somebody will wave an EMF meter in front of them and say, oh, it's a ghost in front of you like that. Or, or I'm getting this anomaly in front of me. And, and really the sensors are off to the side and not in front at all. And uh, it, they just don't get it sometimes. They just don't take the time to read the manuals or try to understand the equipment. I mean, quite recently, I watched an investigator walking around a haunted location with, um, it was a tri-field. Um, oh, a natural tri-field meter, yeah. A natural <laughs> tri-field meter. You're not supposed to walk um, around with them. And in the other hand, um, but they, they occasionally, both in the same hand, while they were reaching for their torch, they were operating a smartphone with a ghost radar app. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and wondered why the trifield kept going off the scale. <laughs> wonderful. Oh, jeez. Is that kind of ironic? They have a trifield meter and a ghost app. I know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's comical sometimes, you know. And uh, I, I try to stay away from all those paranormal equipment sites because uh, you know i'll be frank again it's a, it's a big money-making scheme you know people want things that light up and blink and make noises and i, and don't. It, I don't it's too bad <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad i mean i i, I get the stuff because i'm the type of guy that loves to take apart the equipment yeah. and and see if it does what the manufacturer says it does uh just for my knowledge because i you know i have other investigators that do use some of that stuff so i want to know how it works and and what it does and um uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm into stuff that's data logging the environment mm -hmm. around me. I want to capture as many different variables of the environment uh, on black and white in the computer as I can, mm -hmm. uh, because if, if there's if there's going to be some sort of change, and if I'm going on the theory that um, an EVP uh, is transmitted through, you know, electromagnetic waves, then I, I need, I want to make sure I document that. I, I, I have, you know, data logging electromagnetic. Uh, detectors next to my recorders um, a lot of the time just to see if there's a fluctuation at the exact point um, that 
uh, a clip is to be recorded uh, if, if, if it comes to that point. Um, but yeah, just data log. I mean, a lot of people, temperature is such a simple thing that a lot, not a lot of people pay attention to. Oh, um, that. You can, you can get, uh, you know, data logging thermometers, uh, you know, and that goes back to the early seances, uh, you know, done by uh, PSR and stuff like that. So um, it's too bad that people are, are missing those things that have already been established by early parapsychological research. They built this incredible foundation for us to build off of. And a lot of people are just walking right by it and, you know, going back to the caveman days and, and starting fresh. <laughs> I think we've got a potential new member for Parasites. <laughs> because every, everything you say is what is, you, you pretty much describe how, how, uh, how we function, how we operate. Um, because temperature for us is very important, um, in particular because it, be. it is the only environmental anomaly that's actually got a demonstrable link to reported paranormal uh, experiences uh, and these go back to uh, the 1930s and 40s when uh, Negretti and Zangra machines were used recording thermometers were used in seances and recorded abnormal temperature drops which of course were also recorded in some haunted house uh, research that was done in the 1930s here in the UK um, uh -huh. and it is the only one of the environmental variables that is directly linked um, by the objective field measuring equipment instrumentally showing a an abnormal change at the same time that somebody says, hey, I saw, felt, heard something take place. Uh, we don't have that for any of the other environmental variables yet. Yeah, and yet oh, yeah, those sensors routinely do not measure temperature anymore because they're all too busy chasing EVPs around. Uh, they, they use, uh, you know, non-contact thermometers or, or laser thermometers, and I'm not yeah, sure they're great, what they're, they're actually great measuring. For the, yeah, if you want to measure the temperature of your chicken, mm -hmm. your roast chicken, but uh, <laughs> they're not much used for, for any Yeah, but even that simple thing, they, they, they uh, you know, they think that, oh, it's a cold spot here, so they take all their thermometer, uh, laser thermometer and shoot it across the room, and they can measure <laughs> the temperature in front of them. Oh, boy. <laughs> as, Cody rightly, as Cody rightly said, what you're dealing with is, it's like a, I think Anne Winsper, my, my co-partner in Parascience described it, it's like being on a hamster wheel, um, because what we, you know, we learned from our forebears, and we made discoveries about certain aspects of... We learned uh, from our mistakes, too. Yeah, and we, we learned yeah. from you know the, the, the early psychical researchers who've been at it for 150 years now. Um, oh, yeah. In, in a meaningful way. But this modern generation, at the moment, they're busy on social media arguing about the validity of orbs and uh, yeah. whether they're dust or whether they're this or whether they're that. You know, yeah. it's like they've rediscovered, you know, uh, phenomena that were debunked and put to bed 10, 15 years ago. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. All they have to do is just read a little bit. Yeah, just go into yeah. it, dive into well, it. Well, if you if That's you it. try and speak to them, you, you get a very um, making a comeback. Oh, you get oh, short me, shrift. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're making a comeback. <laughs> they love oh, to tell I you know. that there are no experts in the paranormal, and so uh, you, what do you know anyway? There you go exactly. What the hell do you know? I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So, anyways, unfortunately, that was the bell, which means we have to. Uh, Say goodbye to you, Cody. We want to thank you so much for uh, joining us today, and that's actually. If you ever moved to the UK, um, drop me a, drop me a line. 
Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Fishing line. Uh, uh. No, 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 no. Uh, we're recruiting. <laughs> oh, good. All right. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And I'd love Don't... to meet you if you come over here to the state. So. He's nice coming here this September. He's coming here uh, the end I'll of be September. Over. I'll be over yet again in the fall. Yeah. Oh, good. All right. Well, I'll I'll try to make it down there. You'll Excellent. be at Fairquest and uh, some other places as well, right? So. Yep. Cool. But uh, I'm yeah. In. So there you go. So anything else you want to add, Cody? Everything coming up or anything you want to uh, talk about? Uh, well, yeah, just, just um, you know, you can follow me, you know, find me on Facebook, Cody Ray Desian, um, and that'll have, you know, upcoming, you know, talks I'm doing on EVP and, and EMF, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the area, New England area. So uh, that's probably the best place. But thanks a lot for the both of you for uh, having me on. It was great. Oh, thank it went you. By fast. It's been an absolute pleasure. So awesome. that's pretty good. And uh, you can always check out uh, Steve Parson on his website, which is, I can never get it right. Well, you made me do it. Uh, theghosthunter.webs.com. And also Parascience, right? Parascience.org.uk.co.uk or just plain old.uk. Right. And, uh, of course, you can find me at anyghostproject.com, anyghostproject.com, or on Facebook at Ronald Kolick. We'll be right. Uh, we won't be right back. We'll be saying goodbye right now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this week-long break. There you go. <laughs> Till next time. Uh, good night. And God bless. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.